The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So, good morning. Good morning, still, everyone, and hello. <clears throat> topic uh, that came up and I just want to say I appreciated the six people that I met this morning at the practice discussion. It was really lovely to meet you each, each of you and get a sense of you and your sincerity and the topics you brought up were great. One of them that came up that I thought maybe it'd be nice to, I couldn't finish the question, so I thought I would maybe say a few words about it. And that is... Um, the difference between loneliness and aloneness. And I think this is a very distinct, two different uh, things. Some people, they treat them the same. But uh, uh, loneliness is uh, debilitating. Loneliness is a feeling of lack, a feeling of somehow feeling, um, becoming depleted, feeling alone, feeling somehow um, abandoned or unconnected or not really feeling there's anybody there to support us and be with us. And human beings have a deep social need. And so if that need is not being met, there can be a feeling of uh, deficiency and, uh, and a longing and a, even some kind of despair sometimes, all kinds of things. Depression can come from loneliness. Aloneness... Um, I'm fond of that. That it seems that the English word "alone" is a contraction of two words, "all one." And uh, I don't know. I haven't looked it up in the dictionaries. The etymology of it, but uh, in my mother tongue, which is Norwegian, it's the same thing. It's "alene." It's exactly the same. "En" means one. It's um, all, it's the same thing. All one, and so. It suggests to me, at least, that um, a very different uh, idea uh, about being alone is we're all, we're just all one, we're complete, we're whole. And there's a possibility of feeling whole, feeling nurtured and nourished, feeling complete, feeling, not feeling any deficiency, Uh, independent of other people is a real possibility for us human beings. And in some ways, what Buddhist practice is taking us to is not to be apart from people, not to be physically alone, but to be in the world all one, all complete, whole, where we're not looking for others to fulfill us. We're not looking for others to prop us up. We're not looking for others to prove that we exist in some way. Uh, we're not looking to others for approval. We're not even looking for others for love. We're not, we just feel complete in ourselves. So for me, the first uh, time that I experienced something like this that was real uh, game changer for me, I was uh, working for a period of time on a small dairy farm in Norway. And um, the 
couple who were the farmers, they uh, took advantage of the situation that had been there for a while and had been trained how to take care of the farm and the cows. And so they went on a vacation, which, which you, when you have cows, it's, you can't really take a vacation if, uh, because the cows need, it's like having little babies at home or some little kids, you know, you, they need daily care. So uh, I was the caretaker. And um, so for the first time in my life, I was alone for a week. I didn't talk to anyone for the week. There was, um, and um, it was a long time ago, there was no, you know, there was no TV, there was no, they, they might have had a phone, I think they had a phone there, but a landline. Remember, this was 1975, I think. So there was no internet, there was no cell phones, social media, couldn't Facebook someone. Uh, I was really alone. And um, the only, I saw, only person I saw the whole week was the mail carrier. I would look out the window down the road. We were at the end of a road up in the mountains in a kind of valley and last, kind of last house, last farm on the road. And in far distance, you could see that one day I saw the mail carrier walking up that dirt road and going to the few houses that were there. But it, you know, that was it for the week. So that was, you know, I never had that little. And the course of that week, I wasn't meditating. I was just living the farm life, doing the work, milking the cows, cooking my food. And, um, but in the course of the week, um, my mind got quieter. And there was this very strange experience I had where at things around me, they, I remember being in the kitchen there, um, and everything sparkled. And I go outside, everything's sparkling. Everything seems so acutely sensitive to perception in a beautiful way. And more than just the objects around me, uh, my thoughts had that sparkle. I mean, I, I don't know if my thoughts were particularly good thoughts to have, but the fact that I was thinking had a sparkle to them. Wow. And there was this acute sense of, I think what was sparkling was not the things, but my attention, my awareness was kind of had settled, had opened up, and it was no longer distracted by social preoccupations. And I realized I spent a lot of my time preoccupied by social issues. Do they like me? Do they not like me? What am I supposed to say? What did they say? What I should have said? And you know, all these things were going on. It kind of kept my mind busy, chattering all this. And all that over the week alone, all that settled down. And I felt this intimacy with myself and an intimacy with the world that I'd never experienced before. My friends, the farmers, came back and it vanished quickly. And, uh, but it made such a big impression on me that for then, for then, for many years, the question I was living by was, how can I be alone with others? I, I didn't want to become a hermit. That didn't seem to be the lesson to take from this experience. The lesson was, this was really important, this way of being, this is possible. Now, how can I do that together with other people in society, in relationship to others? And, um, and I felt that it's not about them behaving better. It was really about me understanding my own mind and what happens when I'm with people and in, in social situations to understand 
my fears, to understand my judgments, to understand my conceits, to understand what I'm trying to, you know, social games I'm trying to play and to, to somehow be seen in the right way and accepted the right way. And one of the neurotic things that I had was a desire for, a wish for everyone to like me. Now, it's, it's, it's okay to have that desire. It can be innocent. But uh, it, for me, it was neurotic. And it caused me a lot of suffering. And, uh, and it was only when I was finally in the monast- Buddhist monastery meditating a lot that I saw how much I was doing it. And it wasn't just the meditation, but I was put in a monastic position with a crew of people in a kitchen as the kind of the head cook kind of managing cook. And that was a, a recipe for uh, making it impossible to everyone to like you. Kitchens are t- tough places to be. And, uh, and a, a big crew of people. And so there I got to see it over and over again, how much I was doing this social gymnastic, complicated gymnastics to try to figure out how to get people to like me. So I got to learn and see all these things I was doing. And by learning to see that, I learned that I, uh, not to do it, I learned how to relax that. And I learned just to be whole by myself. I learned to feel complete as I am, that I'm enough just as I am. And I stopped searching outside of myself for validation, searching outside of myself for where the dangers are and where, where the assaults would come in my self-concept. I learned that I was a lot safer in social situ- situations than I had imagined I could be. I learned that if people could be angry with me, I could still feel whole and feel safe. I learned that if people wanted things from me and I didn't want to provide it to them, that I could be whole and complete saying, no, that was okay. I learned so many things about what it's like to rest in the the oneness, the wholeness, the sense of completion. But that took a long time, a lot of study, a lot of understanding of what my mind was doing. And so I learned the task that I set myself out to do when I was 20, 21 years old, which I learned to be alone with others. I don't say that very often because, because I guess, you know, nice to see you. I feel very alone, but I'm happy with that. <laughs> I don't think people hear that very well. So I don't say it that often. But uh, another way of saying it is feeling being independent, being present with others and feeling a sense of freedom in, the, in their presence with them and sharing that freedom with them. This sense of what I call being alone with others does not make me necessarily reserved or aloof. In my situation, it's actually made me more connected and more present for people than I had been, was able to do earlier in my life. So the, this uh, topic that I'm bringing up today is predicated on the distinction between being lonely and being alone, and not to, conf- not to think they're the same thing. That there is a way of, not, there is a way of being alone without being lonely. There is a way of being lonely 
and being surrounded by people. So the presence and absence of people is not necessarily the reason why we feel lonely. There's something going on within ourselves. And then to discover that, to find out what that is, and find some, some uh, way of relaxing, of settling, letting go, of feeling, resting, coming into, growing into a sense of being all one, being one whole, a sense of personal wholeness as we are with all our, with all our warts and blemishes and oddities, which I suspect a few of you have, some oddities. The wonderful thing about being whole and being feeling complete, that can include the ways you're a little odd. Isn't that nice? I think it's nice. But of course, those of you who have no, no oddities, it's, that, that's, that's appreciated too. <laughs> so, thank you.